bringing to life the souls of the past that until now have been lost to history. Talking Heart Island is a half-hour weekly podcast that explores the history of Heart Island, America's largest mass graveyard. Heart Island has been used as New York City's potter's field since 1869. It is estimated there are over one million people buried there. Because of recent advances in DNA and fingerprint technology, the identities of some of these previously forgotten and anonymous people have been revealed. The results are truly shocking. Talking Heart Island will interview a special guest each week, selected from an extraordinary assembly of scholars, authors, and scientists in the fields of history, law, medicine, and the arts, as we unravel a secret kept hidden for 150 years. So welcome to Talking Heart Island. And now, here's our host, investigative history writer Michael T. Keene. Thank you very much, Norma Jean, and this is Michael Keene, and we are Talking Heart Island. One quick thing before we begin, we've been asked, how can you listen to previous episodes of the Talking Heart Island podcast? And you may do so by simply logging on to our website, michaeltkeene.com. Heart Island is haunted by the spirits of the dead. It's used as potter's field for indigenous peoples. Each grave is dug by the convicts on the nearby Rikers Island. Underneath its sandy shores lie bones and death. It also holds a secret. Centuries ago, Captain Kidd himself hid his treasure on Hart Island. When a group of Rikers convicts stumble on the first clue to its location, they find themselves in a dangerous race for the gold. The prison guards aren't exempt from the lure of the fortune. As these two groups start competing for the gold, even more death, danger, and mayhem will come to this cursed island. Mike Monahan, the author of the book The Treasure of Hart Island, a novel which we will discuss today, was born and raised in the Bronx, where he still resides. Mike continued the family legacy set down by his father and grandfather when he became a New York City police officer. Before retiring, Mike earned the prestigious Gold Detective Shield. In addition to his career, Mike's main passion is scuba diving. He has explored shipwrecks from all over the world. And I am very pleased to have Mike Monahan on our show. Mike, how are you doing? Very good, Mike. How, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Um, you know, we had talked uh, briefly um, a few days ago, uh, and uh, you're, you're rather unique on our program because you were born in the Bronx, raised in the Bronx, and you're in the Bronx. I wonder if you could give us a flavor of what it's like to have as your— a home base, the Bronx. Give us a sense of what it's like. 
Well, I grew up in the Bronx in a, in a very large project. It was the largest project in the world at the time. I was born in 1951, so I was born in a nice time in the Bronx. The crime rate was low. Um, the projects I grew up in was very large with lots of kids. Back then, families had four to five children. Uh, I went to the local uh, Catholic school, and I knew so many kids. And to this very day, many of my close friends are the kids I've gone to grammar school with. And in fact, I was mentioned to you earlier, I'll be meeting some for a birthday party later today. Uh, growing in the Bronx was, was, was a great deal. As things changed, we all, we all evolved with the Bronx. And uh, part of growing up in the Bronx was a place to go to vacation, to go nearby that was different. And City Island was one of our favorite locations to go to. It was a seafood little, a seafood uh, seaside resort. And uh, it was a nice place for us to go to. And the Bronx is a very, very lovely place then. It still is, only the nice place has gotten a little smaller than it used to be. Right. Now, growing up there, did you ever become aware of Hart Island? Yeah, as a matter of fact, there's a kayak club on City Island, and I've been kayaking for over 50 years. And I would kayak around Hart Island all the time. I would kayak around it for exercise. I would fish around it. I would explore on it once in a while. We're not supposed to actually land on the island, but, you know, the kids were kind of, you know, we're rascals, and we would do it on occasion. And eventually I started looking at the, the history of Hart Island. It is quite fascinating. It's a fascinating history. It goes all the way back to the Civil War days when it was first actually being utilized for uh, public use. And I started getting my mind wild ideas uh, about, you know, Captain Kidd in the days of coming in and possibly hiding. We know he hid his treasure someplace out in, uh, on the islands coming into New York to answer for piracy charges. And I just got uh, wild ideas about suppose his treasure there. And suppose the, the Rikers Island convicts were digging uh, mass graves to bury the indigenous people and stumble upon a treasure. These things want to go you through your mind while you're kayaking. So Hot Island's been on my mind for many, many, many years. Is there actually a, a belief that Captain Kidd, even though this is a part of your novel, actually did have some connection with Hart Island, or at least with that part of uh, New York? Well, in Long Island, which isn't far away from Hart Island, it's all in the same area, it is known that Captain Kidd did hide part of his treasure in the South Fork of Long Island on a property owned by the Gardner family. Um, this was... This property, this gold was recovered, but this is only part of the small fortune he had. He was afraid to answer piracy charges in New York. He was afraid that if he was convicted of these charges, everything would be taken from him. So it's known that he hid his treasure somewhere. No one knows where, but it could be out in these islands. So it's, there's a little fact with my fiction from my book all intertwined together. Right, and, and the fact that there are Riker Island uh, convicts uh, burying people on Hart Island, and obviously there's the corrections department, you know, the guards overseeing them. All of that is absolutely true. It goes on to, you know, it happens even today. So the, the whole premise of the book is interesting because it's all feasible. I mean, it's, that's my take. Right, that's the whole thing. It is feasible, and people from the Bronx love my book because they know it. They've all seen Hart Island, and they know the history of Hart Island because it, it does have a, a very unique history. Even to the point of during the Cold War, we had um, Ajax missile silos on the island, uh, which were supposed to uh, protect us from back in the, the Cold War days if the Russians were to send the long-range bombers 
to the East Coast, these were taken down. Uh, once the ICBM missiles were invented, that these again these these uh, silos became you know useless. But you know it it on Sunday mornings at noon, these would be uh, air raid sirens on Hart Island and the, the local area, and the silos would actually would actually rise up the missiles just to test them, make sure they could work. And this was a scary thing for kids back in the uh, in those, those days. Absolutely. So yeah. go ahead. No, no, you, you go ahead. Okay. Well, I had one final question for you about the Bronx. Does everybody who uh, lives on the Bronx, do they all root for the Yankees? Probably have to. No? Not, no? not, not, not actually, no. <laughs> you know, the, the, when the Mets came in, you know, it's, it's kind of like an age-related thing. I, I, my father was a diehard Yankee fan. I am. Um, the generations behind me became Mets fans. Mets were now they were new. They were like the, uh, you know, the, the new kid in the block and see how they could do. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't have the money the Yankees had. So the Mets didn't have great players. But they, they were exciting, and it was new. So we actually have a, you know, when you get big cities like New York, you have multiple teams. And uh, between baseball teams and football teams, there's a, there's a pretty equal uh, thing going on here between who likes the Mets, who likes the Yankees. I bet. Um, let's shift gears and have you talk about your career as a uh, New York City detective. Do you start out as a policeman and then go to a detective? I mean, explain how that works and, and give us a sense of what your career was like. Yeah, growing up in my family, my, my, my grandfather was a police officer in NYPD, and he did 30 years retired. My dad, uh, coming after World War II, my father was in the Marine Corps, he was in the Air Wing, and he fought in the Pacific Theater. And he was stationed mostly in Tarawa, the shins over there. And quite quite exciting career my dad had. He came back and he wanted he wanted a job with a with a um a union, a straw union, and would have benefits, lifelong benefits and medical benefits. And he thought about the police department. And he became a cop in nineteen forty six, retired in sixty six. And when I was growing up, he told me and my siblings, whenever you get a job, get a job with with benefits that you know, with a strong union. And uh I well, like I got out of high school, I couldn't sing a dance, so I thought I'll, I'll, uh, I'll continue the family tradition. I'll become a cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did. I started as a patrolman, working in the South Bronx. Now, the South Bronx sounds very intimidating and, and, uh, to most people from outside of New York, but it's not. I grew up in the Bronx. I played baseball with people from every ethnic, every different kind of culture. I played football. So even though the South Bronx is intimidating to other people, it was not to me. Mm-hmm. And I worked there. I worked hard. And most promotions you get within the police department are by passing civil service tests, become a sergeant, lieutenant, and then rise up. The only promotion you can get by your own merits is detective, by making very good arrests, working hard, and catching the eye of your superiors who would then recommend you for the detective shield. And that, that, was, what I, that was my goal. I'm not, I'm not a good test taker, but I could run the streets very well. I was able to do police work very well, and one of my crowning glories was becoming a detective. And another thing, I'll go a little further. My kid brother, he's 10 years younger than me. He followed the same family tradition. He's a very bright guy. He graduated from Fordham University, which is a very prestigious school in, in New York. And he, today, with like 36 years on the police department, he is the top cop. He is the chief of department with the entire NYPD. Wow. 
I just wish my parents were alive to see that, but uh, that's who he is. He's a top cop. And are you... The Monaghan career is gone. The Monaghan family was in the NYPD for, oh boy, many. We got over 100 years of uh, service. That's, that's, that's amazing. Well, I'm thinking you know, with a name like Monaghan, you only had probably a couple of choices, right? <laughs> and being a police officer is, you know, was one of them. You know, and funny, most of the kids I grew up with were just a little bit before people going to college a lot. We come out of high school and we took the union jobs, police department, fire department, sanitation, or the um, or uh, the telephone company or the electrical company. Con Edison in, in New York is the gas company. That's what most we did. These are union jobs and these are careers that you're going to get a pension. This is what we did in, in my day. And that it, in my case, it worked out well. But everybody I know, my friends, it worked out well. And even though many of my friends moved out of the Bronx, we're still in a tri-state area, and we, we get together often. Like I said, today is an example. There'll be a bunch of us getting together today. And this, this is something you can't put a price tag on. You know, it's funny. I, I travel around the world. I worked in Bosnia for a year after the war there, and I met many people, and many people I meet around the globe don't have more than five close friends. Right. And I can, I can actually brag and say, I've, I've got 100. Well. And it's, it's not, not an exaggeration because I'm still in the same area I grew up with, and many of my friends, the same thing. They live in their, their, their father's passed on, they take over to the father's house. Then they pass on and give it to their sons. I'm in a community, it's called Throg's Neck section of, uh, of the Bronx, which I, I know 100 people. It's, it's incredible. I've got, I still go to, I still meet friends I went to grammar school with. And this is an incredible treasure to me. Well, that, that, that's great to hear. Um, before we uh, segue into the book, I see that one of your main passions is scuba diving and that you've explored shipwrecks uh, from all over the world. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, we, you know, it's kind of funny. When I was a detective, um, we worked in homicides. It got kind of busy. And we were having lunch one, or dinner one time in a diner. I was talking to my buddy and I said, you know, Gus, we need a we need a diversion. We can't just be doing police work all the time. We need something. We need a hobby of some sort. And we decided to try scuba diving. He went to a class first, and uh, we had to rearrange a schedule so we could do that. And then when he when he graduated with his you know certification, I I went, and every time a passion. This was I mean, scuba diving is really really wild. And like anything else, you start with the low, with the shallow water, a little reefs. Everything is pretty. You want bigger, better, deeper, and more exciting. And I, I've actually traveled the world. I've been to Australia. I've been to Papua New Guinea. I've been to uh, the Galapagos Islands. Um, it just, I went back when there's a place called Saba. It's a small island in the Caribbean. Um, and my last diving trip was about four years ago. I actually went to, um, off of Guam. There's a place called, um, oh gosh, another name just escaped me. Um, oh gosh, I, I, I truck, truck lagoon. Uh, there's like, we sank the Japanese ships there during World War II. It was like their version of uh, Pearl Harbor. And I love shipwrecks. And the whole thing, the whole lagoon is full of shipwrecks. So I, I, I enjoy that. It's something different. I guess the heart, the, the blood pumping and the, the adrenaline running. Now, do you, I guess I, when you go down there, do you, do you weave yourself into the, the ships themselves? Or do you stay on the outside? I'm not sure how it works. It depends on the shipwreck. If the shipwreck is one that can be penetrated, I do a lot of research in shipwreck. I like to know how they were sunk, what kind of water lay in, what, what dangers there are. What we do is we carry a reel, and we'll tie the reel outside the shipwreck to a fixed object, and we'll, we'll usually, with just two divers together, you buddy up, 
The lead diver will roll the reel in, lead in with flashlights, and the second diver will follow behind by holding the reel. And you ship, you, you investigate different different compartments, and you see different things. And some some shipwrecks, you see uh, all kind of machineries inside. If it's a warship, you may see like uh, airplane parts, tanks, whatnot. And you gotta you gotta be very careful watching your gauges, your time, whatnot. And when you, when you want to get back out, you reel yourself back out again. It's more like reeling in a fish. You reel back out so you don't get lost because uh, when you're inside these compartments of old shipwrecks, there's a lot of soot and debris inside and your bubbles and your kicking your fins will kick it up and actually sometimes you get into a like a, a debris storm you can't see even with your flashlight so you have to reel yourself out and be very careful but it's exciting the adrenaline rush is un- unbelievable are there any um, notable shipwrecks in the new york city area off of long island hard island oh absolutely and right off of um about 10 miles off of fire island which is not too far from the bronx area and uh, where hard island is the shipwreck called the USS San Diego. In World War One, it was the flagship of the U.S. Navy. And it's down in about 110 feet, 120 feet of water, upside down, and you can still dive in there, penetrate it, and there's still live ammunition inside that shipwreck. Hmm. And there's dives through it all the time. The Andrea Doria is not too far from here. It's, it's, it's a boat ride out. It takes a little while to get to Andrea Doria. It's a pretty famous uh, shipwreck. There's a lot of shipwrecks. In fact, uh, the East Coast is called the Graveyard of the Atlantic because during World War II, which many people didn't realize at the time, uh, we didn't have blackouts along the coast that often. And submarines would sit out in the water and just wait for tankers to go by, and they were lit up by the, the lighting on, on the shore of the East Coast, and they just like shooting ducks in a barrel. And all those shipwrecks are down in about 130 to feet of water or less, and they're very easily to dive on. And scuba divers who know this dive all the shipwrecks between, I dive the shipwrecks between New Jersey and Florida, and then that down to the Caribbean. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it it, it is. It really is. But you have to be careful. That's part of it. Mm -hmm. You have to use your brain. You've got to be in halfway decent shape. And again, research is half the ballgame. Right. Let's, uh, maybe the shipwrecks is a good place to use as a segue to your book uh, about Hard Island. How did you come up with the inspiration to write the book? And, and tell us uh, some more about the book. Well, it's, you know, most people, if, um, if, if you're away from electronic devices, the house, televisions, computers, whatnot, if you, I, I like to go for a walk on the, along the beach. Your mind opens up. It just opens up incredibly when you're by yourself and you're walking. And the same thing happens while kayaking. While kayaking around City Island, I have a vivid imagination. And uh, my imagination kicked in. I was reading something, a story about Captain Kidd. And I was thinking one of these islands could be one of his, you know, he could hold his gold. And just going around hard eyes, I said, wait a minute, you know, suppose he hit some here. Suppose some of these prisoners will drive, well, will dig in these graves, stumble upon it. It mm-hmm. could actually happen. It's feasible. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, completely, you know, wacky. Mm-hmm. And I, I, an idea came to my mind, and I sit on ideas sometimes for, um, Sometimes for, sometimes for years. Now, I've written five books, from scuba diving books and this one on Hot Island. And it just, it's, the idea kept going in my head. And then the winter time, uh, it's kind of cold in New York. There's not a whole lot to do. So me and the computer <laughs> became good friends, and I write. <laughs> that's, that's how the story came. You had mentioned, although we're not going to tell anybody, uh, you've actually been on Hard Island. Uh, what did you yeah. see when, when you were there? Well, it's, 
there's a lot of old buildings, decrepit buildings, because Hot Island's gone through many changes over the last couple hundred years. And um, it's one, one of the scary parts is part of the islands where they bury babies, um, stillborn mm-hmm. babies, or just young children that just aren't claimed by anybody. And what they did many years ago is they put white rocks to make a cross in the northern end of the island. And many, many of the prisoners refuse to go there. A lot of people will not go back under the island because it is it's a sacred area where children are buried. But it's fascinating. Some of the old buildings that still stand that go back for, for many, many, many years. And the, the island's only about, there's only, let's see, what's about a mile and a half long and only one third of a mile wide. So it's not gigantic. But it's it's been used for so many different things over over the years. Uh, Civil War training camp and the Civil War prisoners were kept there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's a TB outbreak, they put people out there. At one time, they had a women's psychiatric center. It was used as a, a drug haven called Phoenix House where drug addicts were would recover. It's gone through so many phases. Many of these buildings still stand in disrepair. Uh, Hurricane Sandy had a devastating effect on Hot Island. Back in, I guess it was 2007 or 8. And even washed up along the shore, it did so much damage that some of the, some of the bones from the, the, the early graves, some of the, uh, the caskets actually washed into the water. Which again brings again more of the aura of the whole island. <laughs> right. Which helps the book. The, um, without giving us uh, or telling us what happened at the end, uh, the main premise is that there's this race between the guards and the prisoners for the gold. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that without giving away uh, what, what happened at the end? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, use my imagination and part of my uh, detective uh, philosophies with different things. I knew that if the guards were, were with this prison when they found the gold, now it's a matter of, you, you know, greed jumps in immediately. We're gonna let's let's rehide this gold someplace. We'll come back and get it later. But how do you divide the gold up between prisoners and the guards? So everybody gets in their cell phones and calls their friends to come and get this before it's you know it gets stolen by somebody else. And that is how it intertwines. You got four or five different stories going at one time. Who's going to get to the gold first? And then naturally, murder and mayhem ensue. The good stuff. It is. Well, this is what people want to read. You know, the history part is fine, but you're laying that groundwork down for a nice, good detective story. Right. And detective, my detective is, uh, it's got to be an Irish cop, of course. Of course. So it's, uh, it's a Mick O'Shaughnessy, and it's called <laughs> Mikko for short. And I think it's kind of a cute name. So Detective Mikko has to solve the crimes with all the homicides that occur. Is Detective Mikko going to show up on a uh, subsequent uh piece of work? He has, he has. I actually, uh, a lot of people don't realize, like in New York, Penn Station is a big train station in New York, but Lower Manhattan in New York is built up over old New York. So you've got, in Penn Station, you've got 10 levels underground. And what we do is we build up over, so we've got train stations and we've got all kinds of things underground. And I have, uh, I wrote a follow-up book that brings the same detective involved with that, but it's called uh, the Phantom of Penn Station, where a mass murderer hides down in Penn Station and commits murders. And he's hiding, and it's hard for now. Now Mikko's got to try and find this guy in the, the bowels of New York City. If, and my imagination is just, you know, just because I, I worked there. I was a cop there for a while, so I know about these things. So I'm, I'm writing about an area underground that I know about, but I just fictionalize it. 
Right. Uh, for those who uh, might be interested in picking up a copy or two, uh, where would they go? You have your own website, I believe, right? Um, I, I, you know, I refer the websites. I don't do very well with that. I'm not that technical, so I usually use I use Amazon. And on Amazon, if you look for Mike Monahan on Amazon, any of my books, whether it be uh, the, we'll talk mostly about the Treasure of Hot Island, it'll lead you to um, my other books. And there's actually an author page, which gives you a background of myself. I have some photographs there of some activities I enjoy, motorcycling, scuba diving, and uh, my police picture. So it's kind of interesting. So I use Amazon as my uh, webpage, basically. So anything you want to find about me is Mike Monahan on Amazon. Okay. Well, on uh, the cover, <clears throat> I believe, of your book, The Treasure of Hard Island, is your gold detective shield it's it's a, it's a it's a generic copy. See, it says okay. NYPD on a picture would normally have the numbers of my 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 uh, my badge number would be on there. So that's a generic. That's the copy. That's what uh, it looks like. Anybody ever watched NYPD Blue back years ago? That's that's all about New York City detectives. And why is the gold detective shield so important to you? Because it's earned. It's not. It's not given to you by promotion, uh, like by taking a test. You have to earn it. So if this, at the time I became a detective, there was only 4,000 detectives, a group of, I guess, maybe uh, 25,000 police officers. So we were the minority, and we considered ourselves the best detectives in the world. I so think that's been, uh, that's been proven, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> no, really, I think it has been. I think it has been. <laughs> Well, Mike, I, I, I want to tell you, this has been a real treat, uh, hearing about you, hearing about the Bronx, certainly hearing about your book and Heart Island. You're, of all the people we've spoken to, you're the one probably the most closest to Heart Island because you've actually been on it. And uh, I just want to thank you very much for uh, being a guest on Talking Heart Island. Thanks a lot, Mike. Oh, thank you so very much for having me as a guest. Thanks so much, Michael. Hi, this is Norma Jean. I wanted to take a moment to remind you, in order to receive updates or news about upcoming episodes of Talking Heart Island, simply go to the subscribe page on our website, located at www.michaeltkeen.com, and enter your email address. If you have any questions about the podcast itself or simply wish to contact any team members, for book inquiries, voiceovers, website or graphics design, use our contact page, also found at www.michaeltkeen.com. And if you're enjoying the show and would like to give us a review, please do so at iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. So until next week, this is Norma Jean, and we're Talking Heart Island. Talking Heart Island.